Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good morning and welcome once again to American Tennis. This is Coach Chuck Creasy and every Wednesday right around lunchtime you can listen to American Tennis and also you can go to my website, which is chuckcreasy.net, K-R-I-E-S-E.net, and get a bunch more, uh, some of my writings, book stuff, and uh, listen to all the American Tennis programs. But this is American Tennis. We are now, folks, if you can believe it, in our eighth year. And um, we have a program. I don't want to take too much time at the introduction today because we're going to use the entire hour and maybe more if we need it uh, to uh, cover uh, this work. And, and Dr. Jim Poole, who I have on the line now, Dr. Poole, welcome back to American Tennis. I think it was 2014 or 2015 we had you on there. Yes, thanks a bunch, Chuck. Yeah, I was a young kid back then, and uh, but I, <laughs> I thank you. I've known you, known you just about all my life, so it's good to, good to be back and good to talk well, to you, Chuck. Well, I, I want to give a little bit of a history here real quick so people understand what's going on. So uh, probably, folks, as you know, I, I've, I've been in coaching now. This is year 47, but year 42 in college coaching. 42 years, 40 years as a head coach, but 47 years I've been working with young people, either camps or something, and in the past 30 years, it has been a phenomena or a very, very common thing for kids to have ADD or ADHD. And, uh, Jim, I know I had all that stuff growing up. I couldn't read. I've written, I've got seven books out there, folks. I'll tell you how to get them here in a minute. But I always had trouble reading. And uh, my reading comprehension probably kept me out of a lot of schools, but I always have had to do things over and over and over again. And in my office, 
I have everything up visually on blackboards and that, and, and auditorially, I just have always known I wasn't as good as I was visually, and probably that's why I got in sports there, Dr. Poole. But anyhow, four years ago when we had you on a program, it's maybe been five years ago now, it was one of the, and I've got to tell you this, we get sort of numbers on what people listen to, but your program was the most well-received Yours and the one uh, other than Cindy uh, Cindy Connolly Brinker, who's Brinker Connolly, who is the Little Mo program. Those are two of the best programs we've ever had. And thanks for coming back on. Uh, now, one one disclaimer, Doctor Poole. I put down when I put your program up before I got the book. Uh, in the intro to the book, I put knocking ADD on H on its head, ADHD. It's flipping, flipping ADHD. So, folks, I'm sorry about that. Dr. Poole's new book out is knock, uh, flipping ADHD on its head. So I hope you'll forgive me, and I will get that corrected if I can get it edited. But I, I don't think it's going to make that big a difference. I think that people are going to want to listen, and I want – you all to buckle up. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Buckle up for the next 60 minutes because we're going to, a lot of the things you believe about ADHD and ADD is, is going to be revolutionary. So I'm going to start quickly. About 10 years ago, Dr. Poole brought me a book. Now it's been more than that. It's been 15 years ago. It was in Raleigh, North Carolina, a book called The Edison Gene. And it was completely about how ADD is or can be an asset, and a lot of the people who are innovators, creators, Thomas Edison's, the Bill Gates's, definitely the Donald Trump's, definitely a lot of coaches, definitely a lot of athletes, a lot of jet pilots, a lot of quarterbacks have ADD. And it was sort of, and you'll correct me here in a second, Dr. Poole, uh, as I turn the program over to you, but it mainly... I would not want to function without my ADD because I have been a multitasker my whole life. I've had five notebooks going my whole life, and I've gotten a lot of things done. I would never want that to be dumbed down. Now, the other thing that's really I want to tell everybody about is about it's been six, seven years ago I went to one of your clinics, and there was a whole room full of parents in there and with their youngsters. And the first thing you said, Dr. Poole, was, what if I told all of you you were very, very smart, but you've got to sort of learn how to think you said put a steering wheel on that smart brain of yours. And all the parents sort of just leaned in when you said that because this was the first time this was addressed. But with that introduction, I'm going to start, turn it over to you, Dr. Poole, and maybe we could go by talking about the phenomena of the ADD and, and how you got into it from being a pediatrician, one of the largest practices in the state of North Carolina, and, and doing quite well there to specializing in your fast brain. Fastbrain.com, I believe. It's B R A I I N.com program. So maybe we could start there. And, and uh, you know, I've got lots of questions written down here. I'll try not to break in in your uh, trend of thought, and then we'll talk a lot about your book maybe in the second part. But if you could go back and sort of talk about your history there, Jim. 
you know, and and and, okay. and so give everybody a background. Well, Coach, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, I appreciate what you've done for kids all through life and their life, and you've done a lot more than just tennis. I, uh, I, to promote you a little bit, you had two of my boys played for you for a little while, uh, and the one thing that I've always watched with you and, and tennis players is a lot of times, just like you don't trust what your dad is telling you, uh, I saw players, I, I even, and you may not like to hear this, I saw players leave your program to go to another college, and then they got into the pros, and I saw them back on campus working out with you. And so what that tells me is they didn't like it as a college kid. They didn't like what they heard that they had to work hard. But when they realized they had to work hard, you were the one to come to. And I believe at least a, a segment of the kids that were under your uh, tutelage as a, as a coach, uh, the phenomenal success, uh, the college graduates, and not just college graduates, they went on to be all types of, uh, uh, you know, doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, coaches, you name it, engineers, uh, they're all kinds. And, and I, I, I know to a one that they would look back on their tennis career for what you did for helping them uh, figure out what it is that they needed to do in a, in a transitioning time of their life. So I just wanted to put that out there that, Coach, I, I thank no, you for what you thank for you. my boys and, and for that. Uh, I was um, – my father uh, was actually ADD and Asperger's type, which is in the autistic spectrum, high-functioning. He was number one pediatrician at, in his Duke residency. Uh, had a huge practice. Uh, I was born in Japan. He had been selected to to look at the, he was with the Atomic Bomb Casualty Commission with the number of uh, kids that were hurt in Japan. So he was over there taking care of them when I was born. And so there's been this whole thing about helping others that's been within our family. And, and dad being ADD and my brother had a Harley Davidson at Clemson. So that's enough said about him. Uh, Bill is fantastic. He's now putting in the HVAC system in the Tesla plant out in Reno, and he's got a huge job. He's tremendously well thought of, uh, and he's off the charts. And I laugh. I made it through school because I stole his Ritalin. Uh, and he he actually, we think he was the very first uh, person. Uh, he's 66 years old now, I believe. I turned 70 this year. Uh, we think he's the first one in North Carolina to ever uh, take a Ritalin tablet. So we, uh, uh, what we know is that I, I was at meetings as a physician trying to figure out this ADHD mess. And as one of the top doctors, and he's actually quoted in my book, and he said, so Jim, you're trying to make sense out of the chaos of ADHD. And he runs the program, Mark Sims in Wisconsin. Uh, he's the he's the top guy, and he said, just the whole mess of ADHD. What is it? And and I I agree. I mean, it, I couldn't figure out what it is, and why could I be successful? And I was at a doctor meeting where they were showing slides of MRI scans showing problems with brains of kids with MRI with uh, ADHD, and I stood up and 
and uh, said, well, I have ADHD. I went to Clemson, and I guess that's my brain with holes in it, and everybody laughed. And then I got real serious and said, so how dare you tell me I made it through high school, through went to Clemson, played college tennis, uh, got into medical school, passed national boards, uh, got to the Army, head of pediatrics in an Army location in Germany. Then I started a pediatric practice, grew it to the largest in the state. Are you telling me I have a disability? And I real question mark. And and you could have heard a pin drop because I was mad. Why? Why? And I don't think that we have a disability. So uh, in in my first little intro, I, I'm going to give a quick example. I think there's a difference between a racehorse and a plow horse. And everybody goes, of course there is. And I said, so why are we trying to make kids that are plow horses? Why are we trying to make them racehorses? You cannot make a plow horse run in the Kentucky Derby very well, and you can't take a racehorse and make him go plow the North 40. It isn't going to happen. But yet that's what school is trying to do, and if this horse won't plow the North 40, then he's, then he's a dumb horse. Uh, I was, um, I've only been to one Kentucky Derby party in my life. I've never seen the Kentucky Derby live, and I was standing around at this guy's house and there were about eight of us talking and somebody said well what do you do and I said well I have this program called Fast Brain and I looked up on the big screen TV and I said well those are my kids they're, they're the horses uh, notice how none of them want to get into the chute to do the race they, they're all being the jockeys are fighting to get them into the little uh, into the gate and then they're off and then they all take off and I said look at them none of them are running on a straight line they're all fighting and banging into each other and, and then I turned away and then one of the guys said, uh, well, what do you do to that last that horse in last place? And we looked up there, and horse 23 was in last place. And I said, well, in school, we'd say that he's a bad horse. Uh, we pull him out for remedial horse, horse racing. Uh, we may say he didn't sleep well. He might have had too much screen time. Uh, but obviously, he's not a good horse, and he's nothing, not going to amount to much. In my world, that's a, I will support that horse. That horse may be struggling now, but maybe later in life he might really become something if we can support his strengths. Uh, so we turned away, and we're all standing there talking. And uh, about you know half a minute later, one of the other guys, there were about eight of us, says, look at your horse 23. And I looked up on the screen, and horse 23 was in the middle of the pack. Well, now I'm yelling at this party. I'd never been to this guy's house, and I'm yelling at the television. And coming around the last turn, horse 23 is in fourth place. Now I'm screaming at the TV, and guess who won the race? Horse 23. And that's what I tell my patients, and that's what I tell my parents. And I said, your child may be in last place going around the first turn in the second, third, fourth, fifth grade. I don't give a rip. But guess where my horses end up? They end up in first place. And that's what they do. We have a 94% success rate, Chuck, of taking kids to AB Honorel and getting into college. And then being successful, also treat amazing. adults. Yeah. Wow. So what, what, why is – okay, go, I want you to go ahead. You're, you're on a roll. But I, I've got to – you know me. I, I believe that top-down government is about the worst thing in tennis – it's the worst in politics. It's the worst thing in medicine. But, you know, but uh, you, you've already alluded to the place that uh, you're going to be received after this 
uh, not very well by the nitpickers of top-down management in in in, um, in 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 medicine. So your first chapter in your book is called "A Broken System." Do you want to talk about that first, or do you want to go to uh, telling? I, I was really tremendous when I was up there. How the parents, when you said your kids are some of the smartest ones, they just leaned in, just leaned in, and you had everybody in that room saying, wow, we've got hope now. So could you talk about that a little bit, about how those responses are, and, and maybe then talk about the broken system and how, how, we're gonna, how you're going to fix to help try to fix the system? Well, Chuck, uh, I I was um, it's about I don't know seven eight years ago. I'm taking care of a teenage girl. She's a beautiful girl in with her mother. She's a head cheerleader for her. Uh, I think the JV team, ninth grade, ninth or tenth grade. She's president of her class. She's all everything. Struggling in school because she's all over everywhere. I mean, you can imagine. She's just go 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 go. So I do my great thing is the doctor and my talk and I'm real proud of myself and we're leaving and she's crying. And I went, whoa. So I close it, you know, I, I call him back in and I sit down and I said, so what's wrong? She said, well, you told me that I have ADHD and you're giving me a pill. So obviously something's wrong with me and she's just bawling. So I had that night in the middle of the night, I had to, I was rethinking and somebody had said, your brain is fast. And I said, we got to change the name of this. And so I came up with Fast Brain, and I jumped out of the bed, and at 1 or 2 in the morning, I typed in brain, and I misspelled it, and I put two eyes in brain when I tried to trademark it. And I mean, it was, it was there, and I went, wow. So the left analytical side, you screwed up, and the right side said, let's trademark that. And at 9 in the morning, I had Fast Brain with two eyes trademarked. And, and then nobody <laughs> wants to think they've got an, nobody wants to think they've got an attention issue because it says you're a dumbass. Excuse my French, but but no. that's what everybody thinks. And and you you start you start it in the first and second grade that you're put in the back of the room or you're turned around or you sit out in the hall or you sit by the teacher and all these. And yes, you do have trouble. We do have trouble sitting still. But the first through third grade individuals are graded on behavior, and they're not so much graded on grades. Uh, and then it kind of changes, but. When we were coming along, the first three grades were really all auditory, and then it became reading. Now there's a whole lot of reading done in the first grade. And so the whole way that the brain learns is differently, and the emotional stability of kids has totally changed. The boys are three to four years behind the, the women in, in emotional stability uh, and learning early on. So a uh, so a third-grade boy and a third-grade girl are not the same with sitting there reading a the book. They do not process it the same. And so we're saying that these boys, there's something wrong with them. Uh, and so we need medicine, and we need this, and we need that. But I don't remember even having a desk in kindergarten, and yet they've got kindergarten is now till 2 or 3 o'clock. You have a desk. You have homework. Some kids are coming in with one and a half to two hours of homework. And it's just it's just wrong. And then the opposite is true. Older ages, there are a lot of times they're not given homework. And I've spent my time with trying to learn how we learn, and we learn with a lot of repetition. And you can't do that in the classroom. You got to do that at home. So all of a sudden, you you can see that school is trying to figure out what it is. Uh, the Common Core, 
um, I deal with the kids that struggle with Common Core. Uh, they have parents that can't even figure out Common Core. And so how can you help a child with math? You can get the question right, but you get it wrong because you didn't do it as Common Core. So this isn't going to be an argument on plus or minus Common Core, but what the problem is is we're not into tuned to how kids are learning. And that's where I think when I talk to the parents and why they get excited is because I tell them, number one, I'm going to take your kid to Amy Honor Roll by the time they get to the ninth grade, and I guarantee my work. Chuck, I guarantee it. If you do, I've got kind of a success guide that I use that talks about, and we use diet, exercise, music, um, all the different facets of speed learning, uh, memory tricks, associations, all, all that. Um, I think uh, even way back when we were talking about music, uh, the tennis coach at Clemson, Nancy Harris, and, and yourself, we were using music for the first time on the courts. And this was, uh, so they were going out to the courts just to relax and relax the brain because music is, can be, a, you can learn while you listen. Can't learn while you listen to rap because the beat and the words of rap or at different times, right. so the brain can't learn. So, so right. I have, I've studied that, and I was the first one, I think, in the country to study music and learning, and it affects how you can learn while you're studying math, while you're listening to music. So I'm, I'm jumping all around, so I apologize, but my no, my no, no. That, <laughs> well, I, I've got it. Look, I've got an outline here too. I, I mean, I can jump in there. I, I've got to jump in, if you wouldn't mind. Let me jump in. I want to yeah. ask you a question. Is ADD and ADHD real, or is it a common trait that all creative people have? Is it a gift? Is it a gift, or is it real? I mean, I, you know, I, I again, I would not have wanted to live my life to this place with without the way my mind works because my energy level stays high. So, is it real? And then I want to go into your novel ways of treating it. Well, I, 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 I would look that is a, is a stallion reel, yes. Is a, is a plow horse reel, yes. But if you're, if you're bent on plowing the fields, you can't do it with a bunch of stallions and racehorses. So we got to give those guys some medicine so that they'll become a racehorse. So my answer is kind of twofold. Number one, do I have problems with focus and attention? Yep. Do you, Chuck? Sorry, Coach. Yep. Yes, you do. Yep. <laughs> however, however, you can be in the middle of watching six of your players each in a tennis match because as everybody knows that there's six match, six singles going on. You can walk from court to court to court and within about 10 seconds, figure out exactly what needs to be done because you're fast and your ability to adapt is really quick. Um, I, uh, uh, one time I met Rod Brendamore. He had an ACL tear, was riding an exercise bike. I had a, a uh, rotator cuff tear from a tennis tournament. Now, Rod Brendamore just won the Stanley Cup. I had a rotator cuff. I was bragging as the Physical therapist had me lifting one-pound pink weights talking to Rod Brindamore. I was a little embarrassed there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, Rod did not want to have ADHD. He said, I'm glad I don't have that. And I said, but your brain's fast. He said, oh, yeah, my brain's fast. And that's why we love the name Fast Brain. But technically, the, the, um, 
the medical term for insurance purposes is attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Now, one of the things that I tell my parents is, because I have the conference, I have, I still am having 30 to 70 parents twice a month come to my conference. Uh, and these are all new parents, so I don't advertise. But I said, uh, so a helicopter is landing out in the parking lot. What are, what are all of y'all going to do? And every one of them said, well, we'll look at the helicopter. And I said, but I'm the teacher. You came over here. You're sitting in the seat, and you're not paying attention. Why not? And so real quickly, I go, well, the helicopter's more interesting. And I went, yes. And so is that with school. School, the many teachers are slow and boring. The interesting teachers that are fun can be easy and they can be hard. It does not matter whether they're easy or hard. The kids that are fast brain will do well in those classes where the teacher has constantly moving and constantly changing. If things are slow and boring, it doesn't matter how easy or how hard the kids will have a, a real difficult time. So let's go to video games. Why are video games fun? And I have about 50 things that are the reasons video games are fun, but just to give a few, it's fast, it's quick, it's ever-changing, it's loud, it's, it's, uh, so there's music playing, you can walk around, you've got a controller in your hand, you can stop, you can pause it, you can do all these different things. Uh, how many times can you lose? When you lose as many times as you want. Well, what happens? You get frustrated and pick it up and do it again. Uh, school, slow, boring. You can't do it again. You can't do it over. You can't try again. But isn't it funny that the kids can lose at a video game, and yet they'll get up to the 30th level, and they keep winning and losing and winning and losing to it, and then a friend will help them. They're in competition, but yet they'll help them. And in school, you don't get that opportunity because we say if you make a D, you're a D student. And in medicine, I can promise you that you don't care how long it took me to pass the test. You just want to make sure I pass the test. And they, you go over it until you get it. So in medicine, we have a thing. You read it, and then you see one, do one, teach one. And so that's four times. And in school, you get once. Uh, and so I've, I've, um, I think that when we're talking about is there a diagnosis of ADHD, the answer is yes. Do we have issues? Yes, impulsivity, focus, attention, all those kinds of things. Distractibility is real, is up there and easy. Uh, but it's what do we do with it from a school standpoint? How do we teach? And then what kind of jobs do we have? Uh, you have a coaching job. The reason you're successful is because of that. A fighter pilot has to have the ability to quickly adapt, but he also has to be compulsive that he looks at all his instruments. So he has to have that combination. Um, there isn't a good quarterback in America that's not. Uh, how do you figure out in somewhere between 1.5 and 2.8 seconds, figure out how to throw a ball 40 yards downfield uh, with the defense uh, trying to stop your receiver, and you've got five guys 380 pounds trying to knock your block off all at the same time. You've got to be fast and quick. Uh, so that's uh, and, and that's with running backs and, and basketball players, and it's same in business. All the people that adapt in the good businesses. And uh, uh, one last thing on this thing I'll say is as far as books, one of the books that came out was Good to Great, and I did not like the book. And everybody said what a great book it was. The reason I didn't like it is that none of the – corporations in there were adapting. They were all talking about how important it was to stick with the with the line item and stay with it. 
And he had to write another book because all the good to great companies didn't adapt and they collapsed. So you, you've got to adapt. So there's a so I think as we look at it, is it a deficit? That's why I think it's a wrong name, Chuck. I think that the diagnosis is real. It's just a wrong name because it's not that I have Fast a deficit. Brain is a great name. And if I could jump in, I wanted to talk yes. as a coach. Yes. And, and to parents out there listening and to other coaches and, and players, uh, what started happening as a, um, as a coach 25 years ago or so, uh, I would have kids starting to mess up and they'd say, oh, I didn't have my ADD medicine. I didn't have my ADH, you know, I didn't have my medicine, my Ritalin. I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, son. We're not going to do, you know, what is this, a mysterious injury we got coming up like this. Now, I've got a saying always I use, name it, claim it, then you tame it. Well, it, with the ADD kids, very often, Dr. Poole, They'll name it, rearrange it, and then blame it. <laughs> and, and they basically go to it as a crutch. I've even had parents send me documents that said, my son has problems with ADD, and he's got to take his medicine and all this and this. And I go, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. We all have stuff. I was only six foot tall trying to play basketball. And, I mean, you know, so you know where I'm going with this. I'm very much into naming it, claiming it, taming it, not naming it, blame, naming it, uh, rearranging it, and then blaming it. So what you're saying is, okay, so it's there. It's there. Maybe we should be calling it fast brain. Uh, I don't want to go to the conspiracy route here, but it seems to me that <laughs> the medical professions, you know, Eli Lilly or whoever it is, uh, has made billions of dollars off of our kids, you know, and I, I hate to say dumbing down our kids, genericizing a fix for our kids, you know, trying to take away maybe. I have a sword that doesn't always go in the right direction, but I know how to use that sword, which is my mind, which is constantly searching for solutions right now. I've been searching for eight years for the solution to how to uh, get USTA to be smart and not do abbreviated scoring. And I've been working <laughs> since 1979, Dr. Jim, on momentum control. 1979, and I'm still always working on momentum control because it's the key to sports. Now, I do not want to dumb that down. And, uh, you know, so talk to very quickly – we could go to a short break here in a minute because I do want to talk about your book. And if we go over, we go over. We can go over a few minutes. But talk to very briefly to parents about not using it as a crutch. Well, first of all, we, we have it as an asset. I, I, um, uh, my nurses know uh, moms come in and they want, uh, they want a Social Security benefit signed off. Uh, because it's a disability, they want a problem in school, uh, the answer is no, and I don't sign those things. However, uh, it is an issue. I do have problems focusing and, and, uh, and sitting still and so forth. I bought my notes in med school because I couldn't take notes very well, and my working memory was not good enough because the guy with the overhead projector had a crank. 
So I ended up buying my notes, and that's how I got through school and made straight A's. However, the problem is that if I couldn't have done that, I would have been in really trouble. So school or somehow I figured out a way to survive and a way to learn, and we all do that. Uh, the problem is not the Eli Lillies of the world. I think the problem is the school systems of the world is that we don't have system of how to learn and how to teach an ADD child. There's some new systems that are coming out that are, that are doing flip classrooms. You go and you watch a video and you watch it at night on your own terms and then you go into class and discuss it. What a great thing to do. Uh, but there's a lots of issues with school. And, and then on the other side of that, Chuck, is you might have, 20 kids that can sit there very quietly and you got four kids that just can't do that at all and they're talkative and they're going to disrupt everybody else. And so they disrupt school and then that's an issue. So medication really helps those kids. So I do use medication. Uh, I, I follow people very closely. We watch the side effects. All the side effects that you've ever heard about are real, but I don't keep them. We, we have a whole armament of different types of meds and, and different dosages, but uh, you want to make sure children do not have bad side effects. So, but it works. It helps kids, helps them focus, and it changes them. Uh, I just have to go to today. I had four kids that were DF students, and were uh, one was making B's and C's and was real proud. One could not play basketball because of his grades. And six four uh, in the ninth grade, and he came in today, and he had two A's on a test and a B and he's on medication, and we talked about how to study and that kind of thing. So though he's not playing but this Tim, let year, me, let me so Sorry, excited. let me jump in there. I'm going to jump in there a minute. I I probably would have gotten better grades with medic. I was a, a BC student my whole life. I would have gotten better grades, but I, well, I can't imagine myself taking medication. I, I just am so much against that for uh, changing Okay, what about, you know, the, the Edison gene, Thomas Edison? What about somebody like an Albert Einstein? What about these people before they had medication? I mean, is, um, you know, I know you're going to go into other ways of doing it, like, okay, music. I use music all the time. I listen to classical music. When I get to the office in the morning, I'll put on the same New World Symphony. It's my favorite piece of music ever. And I will listen to New World Symphony. I've listened to it a hundred times, and and uh, so go ahead. I mean, I, I I'm I'm going to jump on that one. What would I have done if I'd had medication? Should I should I have taken it? Uh, only if you felt like you needed it. So when do I treat? I'll, I'll just jump to when do I treat when it interferes with your ability okay. to succeed in life, whatever whatever that might be, and whether that's a which you way? Know, hey, which is the five hundred times? Which of the which of the five hundred times? Which which of right. all those failures that I learned from? You know that. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's right, and we do learn from our failures, and and that's and I and I, and these kids are coming in. Because they've been, well, when we were coming along, there was a big difference in the first grade, second grade, and third grade. You were, you were, you were very active. You went to school. School started at 9 o'clock. Um, you went out for a, at 10.30 in the morning, you went outside. You ate lunch yeah. at lunchtime. In the middle of the afternoon, you went outside again. Well, guess what? Exercise right. keeps the brain going. And now they don't right. even have exercise in school. Uh, so that's yeah. a big problem. Um, 
the the amount of information. Yeah. I mean, the Wall Street Journal used to proud itself, or the New York what was it, Wall Street or New York Times. They used to pride themselves that everything that was ever learned this week is in the journal in the Sunday paper. Well, now the amount of information that comes out every hour is is in the billions of bytes of information. So there's you know you start college uh, the day you start everything you learned is now outdated. So it's a it's a different world of information, but what we have are classrooms that haven't changed at all. The school system has changed, the amount of information has changed, and we're still teaching the same daggum way. And these kids that are all over the place, that now, does, is ADD also environmental? There's no question about it. Um, you know, when you're sitting there playing video games 90 miles an hour, and then you've got to go read Run, Spots, Run, that isn't going to process your brain wants speed. Your brain wants other things. And is school kept up? No. School, if school were made like video games, they would be learning like crazy. Well, they've not done that. There are certain systems that where they can learn and they can learn quick. So I, my fault, if I, if I, and I'm not trying to throw fault out there, but the fault is the system. The system doesn't uh, teach these kids what they need to do until you get out of college into graduate school. And graduate school is a whole different world, and then you're doing what you want to do fun. So, you know, one of the things that happens at school is you might spend – so for me, English was – I did terrible in English. I could zip through math. Well, why do I have to spend an hour on math when maybe I need to spend two hours on English to, so that I can do it better? Or the opposite, if I can't do English, do I need to do English? Maybe I just need cursory English and teach me a lot about math so I can do math and science later in life. Um, because I just wrote I just wrote the book. When I finished writing the book, I gave it to my analytical son, Matthew, and he said, Dad, it's a mess. And I said, I know, re- rewrite it, and he did. But so I can't, I can't you know, my first blush is, yeah, I'm, I'm talking like this as I write, um, but we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and what I push is find out your child's strength. So if I had to say anything to any parent, find out what your child, how does your child learn? Does they learn by hearing? Do they learn by writing? Do they learn by reading? Do they learn by touching it? And when you figure it out, that's how you do. One of my boys, wow. uh, actually, actually, you had Jimmy. Jimmy could not learn by reading. He learned auditorily. He also was not good if you were to tell Jimmy how to hit a forehand, but if you showed somebody else hitting that's a forehand. That's absolutely true. Yeah. And then you that's showed absolutely him. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. You do it. Absolutely true. So you you would I tell him, you'd say, Jimmy, I want I want you to hit this cross court. I want spin, get the spin on the outside. But if you tried to show him mechanically how to do it, he could. That's you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, now the problem Dr. Poole. Now the problem with Jimmy is he's telling me that because I'm trying to get ready for the nationals, and he just told me that yesterday. Hit the outside of the ball. <laughs> Doctor Poole, we've got to go to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your book, Flipping ADHD on Its Head. And and, and I know that everybody who's listening out there is uh, is anxious to hear that. We'll, we will be right back in a second. Hear this Coach Chuck Creasy with Dr. Jim Poole.
and his coach Chuck Creasy. And folks, I wanted to remind you that my book, Coaching Tennis, is now still out, and you can get it through Amazon. Just go to Coach Chuck Creasy's. The book is called Coaching Tennis, and over 40,000 copies have been bought throughout the world. It's on six of the seven continents, and I've gotten feedback from multiple people about how much they use it every day. It's called Coaching Tennis. If you want fundamentals, 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 and then situations that teach you also about momentum control, shot selection, and playing at a high-level tennis or a beginning level of tennis, go get Coaching Tennis. And it's K-R-I-E-S-E, Coach Chuck Creasy, and see my website at chuckcreasy.net. Chuck Creasy and we need to keep trying to make tennis players in America and a lot of the problems that we have in coaching are the same issues that we have in the classroom Dr. Poole and um, players not being able to stay with the task players not understanding the value of repetition players not understanding how to honor the game first respect opponents and then try to add up points and things afterwards. Uh, We have very few people out there working for mastery. Most are working for success. And I think that's part of our problem in the education system too. And I want to talk more about the education system if we get time in here at the end. But I want to go through the chapters of the book, uh, Dr. Jim. And uh, your your book, finally, it's out, folks. And uh, I'll get uh, Dr. Jim to, to give you the description let me just go through a rundown sort of the of the chapters and it's called flipping adhd on its head Uh, a broken system talking about i'm sure about what what we've done flipping the system flipping parenting different way looking at it education two two chapters on the education uh what we should be doing there the the importance of the exercise the importance of good rest, importance of good nutrition, music, meditation. I'm very interested in the music part of it because, you know, every morning, Dr. Poole, I get up, I put Mozart on in the morning for my kids. You know, I just I just really believe in that. I've always, and I've disliked the rap and even the too slow melodic um, music. It seems not like it's not that good. But anyhow, Dr. Poole, talk about your book here, if we can 
just use this time to promote it, but also go through the different chapters and what the highlights are there and what people will get when they when they order this book. And can they order it on Amazon? Yes, Chuck, thank you very much. Yes, the name of the book is Flipping ADHD on Its Head. And because uh, I, what we came up with was the name Fast Brain, B-R-A-I-I-N, because when I said I wanted to rename ADHD, I misspelled brain. And everybody loves the idea of fast brain. So my whole clinic is called Fast Brain. That's what's on our wall. And all the kids love being fast brain. Uh, and because ADHD says I have an attention deficit, it's negative right off the bat, and then I have a disorder. And 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 my quick way of answering is I don't have an attention deficit. You're boring. If you weren't so boring, I'd pay attention to you. And that's that's really what it is all along. So if if you're a coach and the kids aren't paying attention, do you know why they're not paying attention? You don't have their brain engaged. That's why. And so as a coach, you've got to continue. Well, so you mean i got to keep getting them? Yeah. Some kids can stand there and stare at you and look at you, and they're they're seemingly not, you know, they're seemingly paying attention, but they're not. Uh, Their brain's going, and when you say, you know, if, if, if coach would say, Jim, go get your racket, and I would just kind of sit there and stare, and then I'd say, what'd you say? He'd go, well, why aren't you paying attention? I was paying attention. I just wasn't paying attention to him. I was, my brain is constantly paying attention. This idea of you're not paying attention is not correct. The other thing is we don't really multitask. We multitrack. So kids will say, well, I can do homework and, and listen to TV or the same time. And I say, okay, well, that's good. Let's prove it to mom that you can do that. Subtract by three from 100 and at the same time add by three from zero. And, you know, do it at the same time. All right, set, go. Well, I can't do that. Exactly. You can't do two things at once. That's why... When my wife is talking to me, and if I think of something else, I missed what she said. And now i got to quickly catch up and say, I wonder what she just told me. And that's why we missed stuff. So it's, it's not that. And so when I look at, at the broken system and when I look at fast brain, and the kids love the fact that their brain is fast, I go, well, suppose I tell you how we can, we can do it. Because we, we all have, and you see it in tennis all the time, Chuck, is, is uh, the fear of failure. And the self-perception, because that's what what affects a child every day when they walk into the classroom. It's the fear of failure. And if they truly have that from the parent saying, now, you better do well on this test or you pay attention in school today, automatically the fear of failure is given to them. Uh, So where's their uh, self-perception? How do they fit in? Um, you know, are they getting love within the family? Oh, yeah, I, I tell my kid I love them uh, as you yell at them. Um, how do parents act? How do they interact? Do they interact with love? Uh, peers, how do friends see them? How do the teachers act? And how do the teachers see your child? Uh, and, and I know that when you get a note home from the school saying that Johnny pushed Susie, uh, you as a mom are more emotional because that means the teacher doesn't like my child. And uh, and if it's a dad and I and I'm the dad, I go well. I just need to maybe maybe if I just got mad at my child, that would do it. And it doesn't. It, that that's not what it's all about. And if I get mad at son because of a note that I got from the teacher, how is 
how is homework going to go? It isn't. How is supper going to go? It's not. How's bedtime going to go? It's not. Why am I going to want to get out of bed in the morning and go to school tomorrow to a teacher who wrote a bad note about me? So that's right. why I say no, no discipline at home yeah. for what goes on at school. And for you coaches, right. no discipline at, you know, you discipline there on the court. You don't have the parent do it. And if the parent gets mad at you for discipline, you, you need to talk to the parent because what you're doing, you're trying to do an overall teaching thing. All right, well, let me run through the book real Jim, quick. And, and Jim, could I jump in just real, real quick? Yeah. Please, could I just jump please. in real real quick here? Um, now, as, as a coach, as a college coach for 42 years, I believe that the lack of motivation, there is the fear of failure. We had that a lot because – our life didn't get better unless we succeeded. We got drafted in the army, and the, things didn't go well. Yeah. We had, we are afraid of that. I've often said I really believe kids uh, now are very afraid of success and the responsibilities of it. But it's not just the responsibilities; it's the wrong direction and res- the wrong wrong direction of the goals that are given. Okay, for example, in tennis right now. I, it's absolutely absurd how many different ways we have to count successes from the UTR to rankings every other week to all these. The tournaments are so generic, they don't even put draw sheets up anymore. It is so, when you go to a tournament, it's like a bunch of people on medication playing. You don't see much passion or anything, but my point is, I've been preaching working for mastery, pursuing excellence in those attributes. We've gotten so good at keeping score that our our higher-ups, the people who are in charge, really are pushing these stupid things of material goals of, of success over mastery so much that now we've been able, even with the participation trophies, we are able to make chicken do look like chicken salad. And you can look at horse <laughs> do or cow dung and frame it with a ribbon and put a ribbon around it, and they tell kids, you just want a gold a gold uh, piece of horse do. And, and uh, we don't know what successes are. The kids don't know what they are. So I wanted to throw that in. We have some interesting times coming, but again, our school systems are pushing success more than they are mastery. Hence, I'm we're homeschooling our kids, and I'm excited about what's happening with their inquisitive minds and uh, different novel ways instead of the – and you're going to get into that. So I wanted to throw that in. So talk about the book, A Broken System and Flipping the System, and then the parenting and ed education part of it. Well, first of all, Chuck, I'm glad you're not opinionated. That's that's really a comfort uh, <laughs> as I listen to you. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think uh, um, I, I would love to get in on a conversation with you and some others on even the value of a tournament. Uh, from what I see today from kids. And we've got one of Jimmy's, uh, my, my son, one of my, my granddaughter, and she's 11, almost 12, and phenomenal player and learning. Uh, and I would like you to see her hit down there in Charleston. And uh, the idea is, is why go to a tournament, you know, and then learn how to moonball. 
instead of learning how to play and run and, and so forth. And so there's there's a lot to that. But school is school is uh, school's tough. I I don't understand why we can't keep why we can't go over it until we make an A. Uh, well, no, they're not allowed to do that. And I and I want to know what what's wrong with taking the test three times until I make an A. I just do not know what that problem is. Um, in the idea to, to learn it, yes. Now, if I refuse to do it, that might be a different thing. But you know, so when I look at, so when I look at fast brain, who are the fast brain in, individuals? They are. They're the great athletes, the business owners. They're the great coaches. Uh, they focus on fast things. They, they, they uh, we, you know, and so. Where we're looking at in school, you're looking at consequences rather than quick rewards. Why do you keep trying to win the game? Because you want to get to the next level. Um, you know, the Army is great in that. So, you know, you go from private to corporal, and and even a general will make a big deal out of that to the corporal. Right. Because it's, it's a, yeah, and so it's it's a wonderful thing, and yet we don't have that. Uh, and and it's back to that negative self-talk that, that we all start and, and that we learn early. Uh, and then so we start, you know, we, there's a whole section that I talk about on anxiety. Chuck, I hate to say it, I have treated more kids with anxiety in the last year, year and a half than I have in the last 10 to 15 years of medicine. Oh, and I see, I see 30 to 40 patients a day. So this, and these are all, I see only ADD patients and half of them have some, what we call comorbidity. So they've got anxiety and depression and um, oppositional things going on, but it's a, uh, it's a tough time. And then they're self-medicating. So I had two college kids, both doing well in school, uh, from good schools in North Carolina that were in my office in the last two weeks that had mental breakdowns, both of them sophomores. Uh, both of them, one making really good grades, one not so good grades, but they got stuck on the, on the marijuana. And that's a whole medical issue, too, that uh, the marijuana will decrease, and you can self-medicate your anxiety, but after a while... Anxiety is, I'm worried about what's going to happen to me. So I'm worried about losing the tennis but, match. But it's Depression chasing, is, I lost the chasing, match. It's chasing the wrong things, too. It's like, the yeah. you know, winning the, the uh, it's, it's like, Jim, when we have seven national spelling bee champions, when you champion the weak, you weaken the real champions. So what happens when you give out participation trophies and when you're trying to make everybody feel good, nothing really is an accomplishment. So you have people chasing accomplishments only to learn, ah, it's not a, really a big deal. We have people who are Eagle Scouts, nobody even understanding that's a great accomplishment. But at the same time, we, we champion the week over and over again to make people feel good. So the point is, is our leaders are not really discriminating and having marked rites of passage, marked and noteworthy rites of passage. The great Tim Wilkinson said kids play for two reasons. They play for rivalries and tournaments of heritage. Well, Jim, we don't even name our tournaments anymore. I went to a tournament this weekend. It was the Southern Level 3 Blue Group of the white, the white group. So, I mean, it was just stupid. Not, and then they don't even have draw sheets up, so the kids have matches. They go there, 
medication time, and they all look like zombies. There's no passion. One kid got mad. Referees run out on the court and said, don't get mad, don't get mad. And we're dumbing these kids down. And it's just, I put up a post yesterday in Facebook, which I don't do that often, but I, I didn't know where else to put it. I said, we need to have one ranking at the end of the year for kids to be motivated. We have too many scorecards. And, and we don't, when they get a score, it doesn't even matter. So that's my two bits of it. But anyhow, well, I'm sorry for well, maybe, interrupting maybe, there, but uh, flipping, how are we going to flip the system here, Jim? And we're going to probably have to have yeah. you on another time to talk about every one of these, but go ahead. I'm going to turn over to you. Well, again. well, I think it's it's the same with you and your tennis. How do you flip it? You you start your own tennis tournament. It's what you do. And you put your there own you go. And there you, you get, go, folks. You, you, you hear that? Up, <laughs> you call up yes, three other coaches do. and you have them do it. And then you might have three players. That's okay. You have three players. The next time you'll have eight players. The next player's time you'll have ten. And that's how I started fast. I don't advertise fast, but this is the first time I've advertised fast. But I was just in China. It was pretty exciting. I was the first. There was I spoke at the fourth, just before the the. Uh, it was in December, just before the virus hit. Um, and Chinese people were just wonderful people. Twenty-two million kids with ADD in China. I was the I spoke at the fourth international children's conference on children's health ever given in China, and I think I was the first American to ever speak on ADHD. And so other than it being fascinating that I was there, they were fascinated by the concept that the brain is fast and quick and it's not an attention problem. Um, They've got more kids in the advanced gifted group than we have kids. And so they are big with education and big with that, a lot of anxiety. So there are a lot of issues there, but they are a smart, smart group of, of children growing up. But what when we're talking about flipping is, is what if ADHD is more about how the brain thinks and learns than it is about a problem, you know? And, uh, and suppose we started looking at people's strengths instead of looking at their negativity. Instead of Johnny – so when a parent is told by the school – well, your child didn't sit still in class today and pushed in line. My first thing for the parent to do is then ask the teacher, thank you very much. Can you tell me two good things he did today or two good things she did yesterday? And then the teacher has to think about it because that's what you want. You want the positives. Negatives don't get you anywhere. By the time a child is 12, they have received 20,000 more negative messages than their peers if they are ADD. How's that for some garbage? And that's because wow. they've been active 20,000 more by the age of 12. Okay? And so, and, uh, and what we know is that for kids to be positive, 55 to 60% of all messages need to be a positive instead of a negative. Uh, why didn't you clean up your room? You're late to the table. That's two negatives. That means i got to come up with three positives. Okay? So that's that's the thing. And so... What we've got to look at is what I think is that the success for ADHD-type kids is that it's confidence and it's training. And you know that as a tennis player. and You probably got it from you, and that is you've got to have confidence, but you got to be trained. you got to train because confidence doesn't just come. And so you've got to do it. And so when I look at the as, – as uh, my fast brain kids, yeah, I'm distracted. No, no I'm not. I'm curious. Uh, well, you can't stay on point. No, but I see other things. I see things other people miss. 
Um, well, you're hyperactive. No, I'm energetic. I'm just you're disorganized. No, I'm spontaneous. Those are the things that that I look at from the from the ADHD kid. And so the only way I think that I can try to change it is uh, Barry Foote, who is a very close friend, first at bat for the Yankees, hit a home run. He's he played in the World Series, coached in the World Series when he played for the Yankees, played for the Cubs, was a catcher uh, back. Uh, uh, he's 68, I think, and uh, so he's uh, but still a big believer in the, in the positives. And 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 he's the first to tell you, you know, even it when he was teaching the highest level of of what is it, Triple A baseball, he said only two out of this whole team are going to be called up to the majors. Your kids aren't going to all be solid players, but they could all be solid kids. And so what we want is uh, is a positive label for our kids. And, you know, if we're looking at the greatest predictor of success, uh, we I, I think that's what you and I are after, isn't it? What, what's the predictor of success for my child? And if you ask a right. mom, I want them to be happy. That, they all say I right. want them to be happy. And so that's why they are giving them anything they can on the tennis court. But the problem is, is you and I both know, I can't make you happy, Chuck, and you can't make me happy. That's my choice. That's my individual. And I, and you have never in your, how many thousands and thousands of kids, have you made a kid happy by telling them they're a good player or by watching them do well and then say, that was a great job because you just did it. And that's what makes us internally happy. And that's where we've got to do with school. It's got to do with work um, because it, it is a bigger, it's a bigger thing. And, uh, uh, and that's why we use fast brain. It's like, we, we even say it's like telling a little eager they're an all-star because, Oh, I'm fast brain. Yeah, you're darn right. Your brain's quick. Good. You're great. Let's go. And uh, so that's why we use it. That's it's why we do. And and so I have a whole program of, uh, you know, certain people learn. So we've got audio learning by using flashcards and tape recorders. And then, you know, reading. I look at reading the first sentence of every paragraph. And I use my finger still. And I use a three by five card to go down it. But you skim the first sentence of an article, and then you come back and speed read it. I love speed reading courses. They they really teach you. You've got to plan your workspace so it's clean and clear when you look up. Uh, you know, you were a master, and you probably still are, but, but they took it away from you, a master of taking away stage fright in tennis because you would put the number one player, and you'd make him play number four and because he didn't have anything to win, but he sure had everything to learn lose. And if that number one player could win at number four, you couldn't wait to get him back up to number one. And the amazing was the number of four players that sometimes played one would win because they had nothing to lose. And the number one player they were playing against was nervous. So it's it's learning how to deal with anxiety and so forth. And the idea of music exercise is huge. I use I have a whole range of supplements that I get from a PhD biochemist and I put together. And I yeah. do use the supplement, uh, the stimulant. Yeah. So it is a, it's a whole big deal. It's a whole lot of stuff. Um, I, I love people Jim, you can you... go on the book, and 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 uh, it is on Amazon. It's in Barnes and Noble in North and South Carolina, I believe. Um, flipping, but, uh, flipping so. ADHD on its head, Doctor Jim P O O L E. Jim, and and your best website. We're about out of time here. To be your best website. 
uh, would just be fastbrain, B-R-A-I-I-N.com. Is that correct? Yes, Coach. That's it. And I thank you all for putting okay. up with my ramblings. Oh, but, my God. Uh, hey, Jim, uh, Jim, Dr. Poole, Dr. Poole. And, folks, I promise you we will have Dr. Poole back on within the next month or so if I, if I can get him. And you're, you're busy. You're busier than heck. It sounds like you're going to keep working. You know, you're going to, well, they say you're either green and growing or ripe and rotting. You're going to wear out before you rust out there, Dr. Poole. And, and, you know, same here. But just thank you very much for being on today. God bless you, man. And, folks, we have got to go, and we will be back next week with American Tennis's Coach Chuck Reed. Tattooed on his lips, on spin a little more in the store for a tag in the back of the.